This month's theme has been Timeless Wisdom, Evolutionary Vision. And we've been talking about the timeless wisdom part, really, for the whole month. We started with old truths, and then we talked about new thought last week. We talked about playing the game of life, right, and knowing the rules so we can play the game well. Well, those rules are also part of, really, that timeless wisdom, right? Because we need, to, we need to know that those things don't change. We talked about like the law of gravity and the law of karma and things like that, which yes, they, you know, that is timeless wisdom. <clears throat> but today I wanted to lean into the second part of that monthly theme, which is the evolutionary vision part. And today's talk is changing and growing. And that to me is the evolutionary vision, the second part right? The second part of this January theme. Evolutionary is relating to the gradual development or change of something over time. And vision, of course, is relating to the power of seeing. The act or power of seeing or the act or power of the imagination, right? Seeing in that way. Or even the direct mystical awareness of something, like our intuition, right, is the direct mystical awareness. So that's seeing of, a, you know, of another kind, like, you know, they used to say, oh, she has the sight, right? You know, you've heard that old expression. So, so evolutionary seeing is that changing what we see. Ernest Holmes said this in, in How to Use the Science of Mind. He said, behold, I make all things new. Now, of course, he didn't say that. He was quoting from the Bible. But he said, behold, I make all things new. There's nothing permanent but change. And the infinite intelligence can never be caught up in anything it does. What it does expresses its being at a particular time. Tomorrow, it may do it in an entirely different way, but always in accord with the fundamental harmony. So this is the idea that this oneness seeks expression in form. The forms are, are temporary, but spirit itself is permanent. The way it seeks and finds its way into expression in form is absolutely the same way all the time. That never changes. But the forms change. The forms rise and fall. We, we go through changes, right? So we're talking about this evolutionary vision. Gradual change or shift, right? That's the evolutionary part. Gradual change or shift of our vision of our ability to see, either physically or to see in our mind's eye, and how that changes over time. <clears throat> you know, to be aware of our physical changes, to be aware of the shifting sands of our physical world, of the things that surround us, to see the changes that we go through, and to see the changes of the things that we're looking at. And as we change, isn't it true that the things around us change? As the things around us change, we change. And we adapt to new sets of circumstances, to new events, to new, to new things happening. And that's really the, that's the growing part of this, right? The growth and change. We cannot stay the same. We have to change with the changing environment, with the, with the changing bodies, with all of the change that goes around with us. You know, we don't, 
We don't reach adulthood and say, okay, I'm done, right? I'm done. No more changing for me. I made it. Woo! I'm never going to change again. No, we're never done. We are never done. And change can be painful. And change and growth can be painful. But nothing is more painful than staying stuck where you no longer belong. The idea that we change and we grow. You know, I don't even know who said that. Somebody said that. I, I, I couldn't find the author of that quote. But let me say it again because it is so true for us. Change can be painful. Growth can be painful. But nothing is more painful than staying stuck where you no longer belong. I don't know. It said anonymous on it. So if you know who, if you know who, who actually said it, drop me a line. I'd love to, I'd love to credit that person. I don't know who said it, but I'm agreeing with it. It's true. We must keep going on. We must keep growing and changing. That's what we're here to do, to keep expanding and expressing, right? Our soul seeks experience. It doesn't actually seek only good experiences. It seeks all experience. We want experience. We want connection. We want to, to really... Uh, immerse ourselves in this thing called life. And it brings to mind another quote I know from Aeneas Nin, who said, and the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it takes to blossom. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about this constant unfolding and changing and growing. We are made for change. Right? We're made for change. You're, you're, you're born, you're a little tiny baby, you can't do anything. And then you learn how to walk, and you learn how to talk, and you learn how to express yourself, and you learn how to get along in groups. Right? Your nuclear family first, and then your, your relatives, and then the neighborhood, and then your schools. I mean, we, we change, and we grow, and we learn, and we adapt. Everything changes in the physical universe. You can't stop it from changing. Everything in the physical world changes. Everything in the physical world is meant to come and to go. It is the nature of growth. It is the nature of creation that spirit inhabits creation and then abandons creation and inhabits a different creation. It's just, just what spirit does. We change. Our bodies change. Our circumstances change. Our finances change. Our interests change. Our hobbies change. Think about it over the years. How much you've changed. How much things that interested you and that you loved in your 20s you don't care about now or things that you care about now that you didn't care about then. We all change. And, you know, this is really an interesting thing because I think about it. I think about how we, we change throughout a lifetime. And so I never understood this obsession that we have with calling people flip-floppers, you know, like in politics or, or actually anywhere, in any area of your life, you know, because we're supposed to change about things. We are supposed to think about things. We're supposed to question our beliefs and question our thoughts. I am more concerned about folks who never change their minds about anything than I am about people who grow and change and contemplate and think and deliberate and maybe change their thinking and change their life, right? Think of, think of the difference between a babbling brook and a stagnant pond, right? The brook is active and it's flowing and new things are coming to it and old things are leaving it. The stagnant pond stinks, 
It just rots. It just gathers algae, and it starts to smell after a while, yes? So this is the idea of, like, you cannot stay stuck in one place. You cannot stay stuck in one thought. You have to evolve. We have to evolve our thinking. And um, who was it? Oh, uh, Emerson. It was Emerson who said, speak what you think today in hard words. And tomorrow, speak what tomorrow thinks in hard words again, though it may contradict everything you said today. And that's true. Believe with all your heart the things that you believe are true for you today. And you know, what happens as we grow, as we learn, as we change, as we evolve, as we think, we, as we are exposed to more information and greater ideas and, and higher truths that we may transcend previously held beliefs. Right? And that's why Ernest Holmes said, this philosophy of ours, the science of mind and spirit, is open at the top. Open at the top for greater revelation. Open at the top for the idea of truth, a greater idea of truth, to dawn on the mind that is open. We should always be re-examining our beliefs, and then, if warranted, change them. Right? If your life is not working, and if you're always complaining, and if things are terrible, why? Why? Right? You have to go in and change them. And if someone changes their mind about a subject because they get more information, that should be applauded, not criticized. Oh my God, you changed your mind? You flip-flopper, you. Right? That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. We should be allowed to change when change is warranted. Now, if you, you're, you're smarter for having examined a subject, been open at the top, and curious enough to question why you think the way you do, and maybe that belief that you're thinking no longer serves you. And if it no longer serves you, what do you want to replace it with? A greater belief. That's brilliant. That's not flip-flopping. That's brilliant. For you to question, why do I believe the way I believe? Is that my belief, or is that something I just inherited from my family, or my father, or my grandparents? Is that just a passed down human race conscious belief that I just accepted as true and never questioned? Well, maybe it's time for me to question it. Maybe it's time to question what we believe. Believe what you believe with courage and conviction, and be open and curious enough to question your beliefs. And when necessary, change them to support a growing you. Right? Change them to support a growing you. Again, going back to Emerson, he said, finish each day and be done with it. You've done what you could. Some blunders and absurdities no doubt crept in. Forget them as soon as you can. Tomorrow is a new day. Begin it well and serenely and with too high a spirit to be encumbered by your old nonsense. <laughs> I love that. You know, what a great freedom that is to say, you know, I used to believe this, but now I believe that. I used to believe this, but, you know, I learned along the way this and that and this and that, and now I believe this. Nothing wrong with that. You know, you used to believe some things as a child that you no longer believe. I'm sure a lot of us believe that we got money from the tooth fairy, 
I hope you don't still believe that, right? You know, we believed a lot of things when we were little. Nobody criticized you for learning and for growing and for changing when you were a child. You mastered a bicycle or you learned how to roller skate or things like that. And so you changed. You never roller skated, you became a roller skater. Or you never skateboarded, and now you're a skateboarder. Whatever. You used to ski, but now you snowboard. We learn, we grow, we change. We find things that we are better suited for, better adapted to. The same thing with when you were in your 20s or in your 30s or 40s or so on and so on. We learn and we grow and we change. And things that we believed maybe in one decade are no longer appropriate for us and we believe something else. And as we grow and as we change, we change how we look and we change how we think. Wayne Dyer said this. I think it was Wayne Dyer. Yeah, pretty sure it is. Anyway, he said, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And now that's a different kind of vision. That's the kind of vision I want to talk about now, which is that inner vision, right? The, the, the inner vision that allows us to manifest our dreams, to manifest the greater life. We get to see it before it actually happens. We get to hold the vision for ourselves of something greater. And it's not looking outside of ourselves for something, but it's going within. It's looking at that inner vision, the act and power of the imagination. Remember when I, when I defined the word vision before, it's like physical seeing, but there's also this mental seeing, the seeing in the mind's eye. And so let's talk about that vision. That seeing uh, what can be, the seeing of what can be, the kind of seeing that when we do it in the present changes our future, right? It changes our future. When we vision, when we meditate, when we affirm things that, not, uh, things that ha have not yet occurred on the physical level, right? We can't lay our hands on it. We can't touch it. But, but in the mind's eye, we see it. We know it is true. We, we know it in mind. And we know it with our feelings, which is a big part of it. Ernest Holmes, uh, in the Science of Mind textbook, he defines affirmation this way. He says, to affirm anything is to state that it is so. And to maintain this as being true in the face of all evidence to the contrary. Now, that's, that's absolutely what we do, isn't it? It's that perfect knowing, even though I don't see it in the physical realm, I know it is true. And I know it's true because I have the thought, and I couldn't even have the thought if it were not already so in the mind of God. In this universal intelligence, that thought already exists, that thing already exists. Thoughts are things, right? So it's already true in the mind of God. Even if I don't see it right here in front of me in the physical manifestation, I still know the truth of it. He goes on to write this. Human thought can only affirm, for even at the moment of denial, it is affirming the presence of that denial. Think about that. So when you say things like, oh, I'll never get that job. Ah, I'll never make that money. Oh, I'll never be able to afford a house. You're affirming. That is your affirmation. 
It is a negative affirmation. It's a denial affirmation. But the universe says, yes, you're right. Yes, you'll never get it. You're right. You'll never get that raise. You're right. You'll never get that house. You're right. You'll never get that car. Yes, you're right. You'll never be happy. Because the universe can only say yes. So when your affirmation is a denial of your good, it must manifest. Just as when our affirmation is, is of the positive, it must manifest. It's just part of uh, the job the law does. And the law doesn't question. The law is impersonal. doesn't matter who uses it. And the law is infallible. It always works the same exact way all the time. Where was I? Oh, let me finish that quote. Ernest Holmes writes, Repeating an affirmation is leading the mind to that state of consciousness where it accepts what it believes. What it believes. So we are moving to the state of consciousness within ourselves where we can accept what we're saying. We can accept what we're, we are believing. We're accepting what we're desiring to believe. As so. And what happens? The universe still says yes. That's all the universe does. That's all it can do is say yes. You know, and it's so funny too because like in this country, you know, there's a group, you know, there's a section, there's a whole human race consciousness of folks who say, oh, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. Well, they have it backwards, don't they? They have it backwards. What we know in new thought, what we know in our faith tradition is we see it when we believe it. Totally backwards, right? Totally backwards. We will see it when we believe it. We know from our faith tradition that everything begins in mind. And that's in the invisible realm. That's where you can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't lay your eyes on it. You can't lay your hands on it. It is in the invisible realm. It is in universal intelligence. It is in that, in that middle part of our teaching symbol, right? That, that the, the plastic, uh, the mold of our consciousness, it is being formed, but it is not yet manifest. But we must believe it. It is so. We must believe it so in order for it to manifest. So we pray, and we affirm, and we meditate, and we vision, and we change our consciousness, right? What Ernest Holmes said, we are, we are training our mind to accept our good and to stop thinking of all the ways that we cannot have our good. Ernest Holmes said, leading our mind to that state of consciousness, where it perceives as true, where it accepts as true the affirmative statements that we are making, that we ourselves are making. We're not trying to convince God of anything. We're not trying to plead and beg God to deliver something to us we don't have. Spirit has already given the gift. Spirit has already given of itself into our lives, as our lives, through our lives. Want more peace? It's right there. It's right there inside of you. Let it out. It's already yours. Want more love? 
There it is. It's right inside of you. Let it out. It already exists. It is within you to express out. Same is true for all of the qualities of God. They are all ours to embrace, to embody, and then to demonstrate. The gift has already been given. By thinking new thoughts, we demonstrate new manifestations. By immersing ourselves in our possibilities, by growing, expanding our consciousness, like Ernest Holmes said, leading our mind to that state of consciousness where it accepts the good of what we're saying. Convincing our own mind that good is already ours. We grow. And what happens is it changes our lives. It changes the things around us. Right? What do we say every, every week here after we do the, the miracle minute or before? Maybe it's before. I don't remember. Any, it's been too long, guys. It has been too long. Um, but whenever we do the miracle minute, we say what? Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Because prayer changes us. We become different by, by having this expanded consciousness within us. We become accepting of a greater reality for our lives. And we have been given free will to decide what we will believe. Spirit didn't plop us down here in this planet, in this little corner of the solar system, God only knows, right? To be automatons, to be pre-programmed, to know that our good is already around us. We were here to learn, to accept. We are here to grow in consciousness. We are here to discover for ourselves that spirit has already supplied everything. Right? We are the lilies of the field, we just don't know it. We think that it's all about working hard and working long and working ourselves to death. But it's more about accepting the good that has already been given to us by spirit. Ernest Holmes said this. He said, we are living in a world of continual change. A world in which thought, thing, and experience are all in a constant state of flux. It is the very nature of the universe that there should be continual change and variation. It is a living world, the creation of a living, creative intelligence, not a static world created by a god that is now dead, or departed, and has left it to decay. No, it is vital, and it is alive. And the mind that created it is not apart from it, but is always active in it and through it. It is up to us to accept the gifts, to accept the gifts that Spirit has already given us as we, as we came into this physical world. All the love is yours, all the joy, all the harmony, all the abundance, all the unity, all the peace that you can believe in, that you can manifest, that you can embody and express and resonate in. It is all yours to enjoy. Thank you very much.